This, this is Colin Edwards. It's 11.15 in the morning outside the Ephesian Church of God in Christ, where the ceremony, the funeral of young Bobby Hutton, the young Black Panther slain by police a few days ago, is about to begin. A group of young Black Panthers in black leather jackets and black berets have just walked in procession into the church. Outside, on both sides of the street, are a crowd of perhaps 200 people observing the scene, along with a small body of newsmen, television cameramen, reporters, and photographers. The service, I imagine, is about to begin inside now.
service is over. The singing you heard was part of the service. There were around a thousand people altogether in the church towards the end. About 700 at the beginning, but more and more people came into the church as the service progressed. They included a number of white people, but they were, most of them were, of course, black people. And several hundred of these were people associated with the Black Panther Party. It was a very solemn meeting, a very solemn occasion. The minister, in his remarks, described young Bobby Hutton, described Mr. Hutton as a young man with infinite love for people and for freedom. Perhaps the most moving moment in the whole service came right at the end when members of the Black Panther organization began to file past the open coffin of their young comrade, passing silently, a few with tears in their eyes. One, I noticed, reached out and touched his hand. Then other members of the congregation passed by the coffin. And in fact, they are still passing by. It seems that every person who is at this church today has filed past the open coffin of young Bobby Hutton. Among the white people attending this service today were Jack Weinberg of the Peace and Freedom Party, Paul Jacobs, the Peace and Freedom Party's candidate for the Senate, and from Hollywood, Mr. Marlon Brando, long identified with the struggle for civil rights, who has recently shown an active interest in the case of Mr. Huey Newton. Mr. Brando is still standing among the group of pallbearers near the coffin. And I expect that within the matter of a quarter of an hour or so, the coffin will be borne out to the waiting hearse here on the west side of the church at the entrance of which I am now standing with a large throng of people. This has been a most solemn occasion, occasion where people have shown remarkable restraint in the face of what has happened to one of their brethren. I should mention, too, that among the people standing with the pallbearers, perhaps one of the pallbearers, along with Mr. Brando and other Black Panther leaders, along with Mr. Brando and some of the Black Panther leaders, I noticed, I think, Jim Foreman of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. It's now about ten past one, and among the people here who are mourning Mr. Bobby Hutton today in this church is, well, are two of the sisters of Mr. Eldridge Cleaver, 
Minister of Information of the Black Panther Party. First, Mrs. Miss Luella Cleaver. Luella Cleaver. Mm -hmm. I just want to say that I am here in the interest of justice to take up the fight for my brother who was snatched from society and incarcerated until he is able to come out and take up the fight again, and then I will fight along with him. Your other sister is here. Would you like to say something? No. I speak for both of us. Mm -hmm. You're from Los Angeles. How yes. are the Black Panthers doing in Los, An Los Angeles? You have fine. a branch there. Yes, we have a branch in Los Angeles. They're doing fine, and we hope to build more and more every day. Are you going back there, or are you staying up here now? I'll be here for a while, and then I will return to Los Angeles, and at a later date I will be returning to the north. Are you at all hopeful about uh, Mr. Cleaver's chances now of being released in a reasonably short time? I have to remain hopeful. Yes. Where there's life, there's always hope. Would you like to give us your reaction to, one, the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King and then the killing of young Mr. Hutton? I don't think I could find any words in my vocabulary to really express how I felt with the assassination of Dr. King. I was outraged as every other black citizen must have been. And then to have it followed by little Bobby, whom I had just met, who was a jolly kid, with whom I was very impressed. And to have gotten this news along with the news that my brother had been shot, his parole revoked, and it's an unprecedented type of situation, very seldom in the history of the California uh, system of penology uh, has this type of revocation occurred. Uh, even uh, Judge Buckley, who I feel is a very, very cruel man, uh, said that this was a, an unprecedented situation. But I uh, had the same reaction uh, to the murder of Bobby that I did to Martin Luther King. Uh, to me, these, these murders are synonymous, and although one was better known than the other, they were human lives and both of great worth. Thank you, Miss Cleaver. Here are a couple of young people from the congregation who've just come out. They wanted to say something. Would you like this for KPFA in Berkeley? Would you like to say something? Well, I did not much to say. I mean, uh, when people are murdered, uh, I wouldn't say cold-bloodedly, but there's no evidence that he was carrying a gun. And, like, I know when you have tear gas in your eyes, you don't know what damn thing was going on. And uh, the police have said he came out uh, running. If he came out running with tear gas in his eyes, he, I doubt if he knew what he was doing. Right, right. So, I mean, right, why, right. Can, why can the police say, and Elders Cleaver has three counts of murder against him. All of them had tear gas in their eyes. And have you ever had tear gas in your eyes? If you do, you don't know what's going on. And if you come running out of a house with tear gas in your eyes, you don't know where you are. I mean, if you had a gun in your hand, you wouldn't know who you, who you were shooting at. I mean, there's no evidence at all. And the fact that they shot him uh, with tear gas in his eyes, there's no evidence at all. He did, did uh, allegedly shoot a policeman. There's so no evidence at all. What should be done about that policeman who shot him, I think? Do you think uh, this has involved a much broader section of the uh, black community in the whole struggle of the Black Panthers now? Should it be? Or has it? I mean, is it? Is this happening now? Is this a reaction? Some people think that uh, that he did uh, fire on the policeman. You see, they, they have claimed that there were uh, three, what, three or four cars of uh, Panthers in the cars. Well, they could have been going to a meeting. There was no evidence there that they were going to uh, murder a policeman. There was no evidence at all. They could have been going to a meeting. 
I mean, but in the fact that could it be a, a broader range of black community? Uh, now that people have seen that what policemen will do, uh, just allegedly shoot people, there is a. Uh, it should definitely have uh, more effect on more people. It definitely should. Thank you very much. Do you want to give your name? My name is Gregory Woods. Thank you, Mr. Woods. Annette Hughes. From Marlon James. Carol Bennett. Thank Melvin you. Baxter and Charles Williams. Coffin has now left the church for internment. And the pe most of the people here are now driving off on their way to Merritt Park, beside Lake Merritt, near the Alameda County Courthouse, where the Peace and Freedom Party has organized a rally in protest against the slaying of Mr. Hutton and for the freeing of Mr. Eldridge Cleaver and, of course, Huey P. Newton. So I will now proceed down to Merritt Park. This is the beginning of unity. Some of the years we didn't know what it meant. We thought it meant man wearing bells. I'm now down at Merritt Park. It's I'd call it the two. And the Black Panther is speaking from the stage of a truck set up beside the stage to a crowd of several thousand people. I don't have very much more to say. Just that I love all my people, and I want all my people to love me. And if we have undying love for each other, we will not be able to tolerate to see a pig put his hands on another black man or woman. Black power. Everyone, all the old brothers and sisters, all the young brothers and sisters in the black community. Now we're not, we're not preaching out and out violence. We're not preaching racial warfare. Our fight is with the power structure. Our fight is now, here and now, with the peace of the Oakland Police Department. All the police departments, they're nothing more than waters to keep us changed, to keep us controlled to keep us confined in the ghettos that they call slums. They're nothing more than high, highly technical concentration camps. All of you black people, when you see these black warriors out here in actual combat with these pigs, don't turn your back on them. Don't close your doors. You need their support. We need your support. We must help each other, all of us. We are fighting the same fight. This system must be destroyed! It is no good! Destroyed! The wife of Elvis Cleaver, Mrs. Kathleen Cleaver. My first reaction upon out about the attack upon the leadership of the Black Panther Party April 6th was that I was glad that I was not a widow. 
for black liberation. Here I have a message, a telegram that I think I'd like to read from the widows of our greatest spokesman for black liberation, Malcolm X. It's to the family of Bobby James Hutton, the care of myself. The question is not will it be nonviolence versus violence, but whether a human being can practice his God-given right of self-defense. Shot down like a common animal, he died a warrior for black liberation. If the generation before him had not been afraid, he perhaps would be alive today. Remember, like Solomon, there is a time for everything. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to love, a time to hate, a time to fight, and a time to retreat. In brotherhood and survival, remember Bobby. It could be your husband, your son, or your brother tomorrow. Crimes against an individual are often crimes against an entire nation. To his family, only time can eliminate the pain of losing him, but may be remembered in the hearts and minds of all of us. Betty Shabazz. Whatever path we seem to take, it always has one end. A racist bullet. A racist bullet murdered Malcolm X, murdered Martin Luther King, murdered Bobby Hutton, attempted to murder Huey Newton, attempted to murder Eldridge Cleaver. From the streets, from the flying of the bullet in the air to the flesh of a black man. A whole structure proceeds. Walls of courthouses, bars of jails, locked keys, billy clubs, police. Everywhere you turn, you're encaged. The same police force, very same police force that murdered Bobby Hutton in cold blood deliberately. provided a funeral escort to the cemetery. The very same police force that attempted to assassinate Elvis Cleaver is lining the highways from here to Vacaville, stacked deep. The town of Vacaville is closed down. Double security on the penitentiary. Machine gun guards in the church. One bullet in the flesh is not enough. Fifty policemen in the street of West Oakland is not enough for them. Right over there in the parking lot, they've got 700 policemen waiting. Huey Newton there in the 10th floor of the Alameda County Courthouse. Huey Newton held the key to liberating black people. 
He stated that the racist dog policemen did not withdraw from the black community, cease their wanton murder and torture and brutality of black people. They will face the wrath of the armed people. For the simple demand, basic human liberty, Huey Newton is in jail charged with murder. Bobby Hutton is dead. Eldridge Cleaver is in jail, charged with three calls, three counts of assault with intent to murder. David Hilliard, the national captain of the party, is in jail, three counts of murder. And a series of other brothers in the Black Panther Party. This is only the first. They move against every leadership as it extends itself. As each group of leaders rises up, they're one. But they cannot stop by wiping away our leaders. For, for every leader that's shot down, more spring up. Until the people rise up as one man and fight and gain the liberation. And if this is what this one man, Bobby Hutton, died for. We lost something very precious when we lost Bobby Hutton. But Bobby Hutton didn't lose anything. Bobby Hutton took his stand. He gave his life. Here we are, we have our lives. He added something to them. It's up to us to whether we can treasure that, carry that forward, or whether we'll allow the walls of the jail, the bullets of the racist star police, to increasingly intimidate and encircle and murder us until we degenerate into a state maintained purely by brute police power. This time, this day is not far off. We have very little time. We're in a race against time. Huey Newton, Eldridge Cleaver, and Bobby Hutton. Thank you.
City Council. I'm here as part of a memorial to a young black man who died recently in his move for freedom of black people, Brother Bobby Hutton. I want to speak very specifically to that. But before I do, let's try to put that in some proper perspective. It is my belief that America presently is going 1,000 miles an hour toward militarism and fascism in this country, and that's a very, very dangerous thing. If you understand anything about a country moving toward fascism and moving toward militarism, there's one characteristic that always exists, that is the creation of a scapegoat. You attribute all of the ills of that society to that one scapegoat and then you move against it. And in this country that is black people and be clear about that. We have effectively become the scapegoats. We are the victims of white racism in this militaristic and fascistic move in this country. But if we look back, a young man several years ago was killed, Emmett Till, one to raise the question, why then and when will it end? Malcolm X was shot down and killed, when will it end? Martin Luther King was shot down and killed, when will it end? 
Young Brother Hutton was shot down in the streets of Oakland, California. It must end now! And that is the way I feel. Killing and murdering of black people in this country must stop. This is Good Friday. It's very interesting that this is Good Friday because in another time and in another place, a man was killed because he was considered radical. A man was killed because he was considered fearful. His views were too radical. Views were too political. And the history books tell me that he was also killed because he was moving in the defense of justice and freedom. In this time and in this place, young brother Hutton was shot down because of his radicalism, because of what he feared, and most of all, because he moved for the freedom and justice of black people. I think that must be understood. We as black people have a responsibility to speak out loudly and clearly. Just as we spoke out loudly and clearly in righteous indignation when Brother King was shot down because he was godlike in his posture, we have the same responsibility to stand up in righteous indignation against the murdering of Bobby Hutton because there is no difference. There is no difference. just this for a moment, because this is a memorial to young Mr. Hutton. I'd like to ask all of you to stand for just a second, please. We, Brother Hutton, are standing here at this time. Regulations 
that are dictated by this power structure. They say you must do this, you must do that. The police are there to ensure that this is done. Why? Give me one reason why the bail on the people on the balance should be set so high, set so far out of proportion to the crime for which they are accused, of which they are not guilty. Let me repeat, these people, these human beings, these bastards, the people who are fighting to liberate all of the masses, were doing nothing more than riding down the streets. Now, is this a crime for machine gun fire? Is this a crime worthy of being murdered for? And who is it a crime against? I present with this group, Hagwood. It's a very sorry occasion that we meet today, but we cannot spend any more time on tears. We've got to move. I'm an angry black woman. Nobody can tell me to cool it. I don't have any coolers around. I'm thinking about Huey Newton at Perry College, trying to get an education. They told us black mothers to educate your boys, educate your children, and that's the answer. They told us to clean them up, get a nice house, and that's the answer. They told us to get a good job, get a good education, get a good job, and that's the answer. Now, we have found out that none of these things are the answer. The only answer, the white man wants is for you to turn white, and that would never happen. He cannot understand anything that's not like him. I'm thinking today about the tried kinds of ways, nice ways we have been tried. I'm thinking we've they've been trying to tell us to be nice and to be quiet and to cool it. When they ran Dr. Martin Luther King and his peaceful marches through Selma, Alabama, when they were trying to get the right of the vote, when Bull Connor and his men whipped those young people, they came to the black community and said, black people, be quiet. When they shoot down our leaders, they come back to us and say, black people, be quiet. I'm sorry, I can no longer be quiet. I've got too much noise in me, and I'm not going to be quiet any longer. I'm not going to tell any black person to be quiet any longer. And I'm just think. Those of you who have been scared to move, I'm 44 years old and I ain't scared. What you scared about? <laughs> I'm not going to tell my child to be quiet. He's right, and I want him to be vocal about it. The only thing wrong with Oakland is we don't have 200,000 pandas instead of, of the number that we have. Negroes, you don't mind their fight, but they're going 
starting too fast? How fast? How fast are we going? How fast? So I want a liberal to examine yourself and your ideas. If you're not fighting against racism, you're for it. I don't care where you stand. Wait a minute. 
is a white man's hypocrisy, and a white man is the only way can can solve this problem. And he's got to look into his own heart and see what a hypocrite he is. And don't ask me what you can do for me. Stay in your neighborhood. Talk to that person next door. Talk to that person you work with. What a good job. crowd of people here, which now must number three, four thousand priests, got to its feet in response to that lady's address. I see that uh, Marlon Brando has joined the small group of people on the stage of the flatbed truck now. With him is Jim Foreman and Mr. Bobby Seal and other members of the Flat organization. I would like to introduce you. Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. We just came from uh, Bobby Hutton's funeral. And I'm not going to stand up here and make a speech because white people, you've been listening to white people for 400 years. They said they were going to do something. They haven't done a thing, as far as I'm concerned, in re-enfranchising a black man. It's up to the individual to do something to force the government to give the black man a decent place to live, a decent place to bring his children up in. That could have been my son lying there. And I'm going to do as much as I can. I'm going to start right now to inform white people of what they don't know. The Reverend said, the white man can't cool it because he's never dug it. And I'm here to try to dig it. Because I myself as a white man have got a long way to go and a lot to learn. I haven't been in your place. I haven't suffered the way you've suffered. I'm just beginning to learn the nature of that experience. And somehow that has to be translated to the white community now. Time's running out for everybody. That's enough. That's enough talking. Now, all cars should go by 10th and Oak to pick up people. There is extra space on the buses for anyone who wants to go. 
There's all two extra automobiles and so forth. There shouldn't be any problem with transportation. <coughs> all people needing rides go to Tenton Oak Street. Now, there are signs that you put on cars, and they're available over here. There's a green pickup truck over here in this area somewhere. You can go and get those signs and put them on your car or whatever's necessary. <coughs> now, the uh, directions to go to the back of the hill, to go up the freeway to Highway 40 towards Sacramento. Take the turn off for Vacaville, the Vacaville Medical Facility. That's about 45 miles. Now, ladies and gentlemen, something that all of you have been waiting for, one of the greatest black men in America today, a true black leader, a man who I respect as a leader, and a man who you will respect as a leader, Mr. Bobby Zeal. Thank <laughs> you. 
Bobby Hutton. Bear with me. Trying to clear the string. The Black Freedom Fighters. Let a brutally attack by this race of torture. The other Saturday night, murdered Bobby Hutton. Those screamers explained it to us. After they set fire to the bottom of the house, after they shot the place up and shot creepers with the brothers courageous and defending themselves in the house for 90 minutes, after they did that, after the brothers couldn't defend anymore, only by, okay, we'll come out, those pigs murdered Bobby. Eldrick explained it to us and he told Bobby to take off all of his clothes. So if they shoot us, there won't be any bullet holes in the clothes. Because it was too modest. And the last information I got, he supposedly took off on his shirt. And when he come out of that door with floodlights on him, he had no gun, he had his hands in the air. And the pig told him to run over to the squad car. Something has happened. It power has been turned off or something. There's an air of wonderment at the moment. People are wondering what exactly has happened. People on the stage are just standing there looking around. They murdered Bobby Hernan! They murdered him! Because Eldred came out of that house naked without a stitch of clothes on! The point I'm making and giving you the factual situation as to how Bobby was murdered? Engulfs the exploitation. 
Racism engulfs the colonialization of black people in their communities. They want power to determine their destiny in their own black communities. What's so damn wrong with that when white people have power to determine their destiny? power has been cut off again. Whether deliberately or accidentally, I don't know. Power seems to be coming from a little portable a generator near the truck. Talking about changing the situation. This is the 
that we will be doing what is supposed to be done. Changing the system because not only will we get our freedom, we will affect, we will in fact be getting freedom and aiding and getting freedom for Vietnamese, for our Congolese brothers and our brothers in Africa, our brothers in the South America and the Caribbean. Because the racist white power structure is strung out across this world with its slang, hoggish, snakish, tentacle type octopus. He's strung out. And we're in his backyard. He's going to receive political consequences if we don't receive what we want. Now many of you white people want to just go up and work only to change the system. But each time that you oppose that power structure, he's going to send his pigs, and he got snatched out all over here. He's going to send his pigs down with guns and force. Make no, there's no such thing as green power.
James Foreman has snicked we must have flown out here for this occasion. Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Black Panther Party. Right. 
guaranteeing and defending black people. He died a revolutionary at the age of 17 in Oakland. And he died not only for black people, but for the cause of all oppressed people around the world. And why did he have to pick up the gun? Why did he have to become a revolutionary? Brother Bobby has explained it to you. He had to become a revolutionary because the hog is in the stream. The hog is in the stream. The hog is in the stream. The hog has been in the stream for some four to five to six hundred years. I'm talking about decadent Western white civilization. That is the hog. That is the hog. And what are the characteristics of the hogs? It is an exploiting hog. It has to make money. Some call it capitalism. Some call it imperialism. But damn it, it exploits black people. It raped Africa. It raped Asia. That's the hog. And what is the stream? The stream is humanity. Western civilization is blocking up humanity today. That's why the brother said Ho Chi Minh and Castro in their own way are fighting to get rid of the hog because he's jamming the stream of humanity. And Bobby Hutton understood that, and anybody who has read the ten points of the Black Panther Party understand that this is a revolutionary party which is out to jam up the hog's mouth and kill him. And if necessary, to take a butcher knife and slay his throat and let the blood run down into the stream. <laughs> we understand that. We understand, and sometimes when you kill hogs, those of you know anything about killing them, you gotta fatten them up first. So he can't move too fast, and that's what has happened to this country. It's the fattest, richest country on the face. But because it's fat, it's ready for slaying, and it will be slain. That is a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. It ain't written in the stars. It's written in the blood of oppressed people and black people in this country. Ain't no stars here, baby. We have been suffering. It's written in our veins. It's in our birthright. You dig it? All right, brother. I'm not attacking the stars, but that's the reality, baby. It's written here. Now... What must what, 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 what must we do to slay the hog? And that's what we're talking about. We cannot purify him. You cannot purify a hog. He is corrupt. You cannot give him any doses. That's what the open housing bill is attempting to do, to purify the hog, but he can't. The hog is filthy all through. He's cancerous. The cancer started at the leg, it's in his ass, and it's in his mouth almost, you understand? The cancer's all there. It's about to get into his heart, and he's about to fall over. And in order to get rid of the hog, we must rise up and seize and hold power. That's an important concept. Black people in this country must seize and hold power must understand that the slogan is no longer black power, but we must seize and hold power. And that's what's happening all around this country. In Tuskegee, the students locked up General Lucius Clay for 15 hours along with the other board of directors. They used to, they used to have those Founders Day in Tuskegee, where the white folks would come from New York and parade. Ellison wrote about it in The Invisible Man. But in 1968, the student body seized the campus and held it. Doesn't matter they didn't hold it all that time. That's what's happening in Howard, at Howard University, at A&T. That's what's happening in our...
cities or the ghettos. We are committed to seizing and holding power. And that's what's happening around the world. And we all know that. If we do not seize and hold power, we cannot get rid of the pig. And the pig is not the correct description. Because the pig may be a cop in Oakland, or a cop in Tallahatchie, or a cop in Selma, or a cop in Memphis. But the pig comes from the hog. And the hog is white Western civilization. Now, what is the Black Panther Party? It is a party committed to seizing and holding power. It is a revolutionary party. It is a revolutionary party. And the death of one of its members, the death of its first members, and I say this to my brothers in the party and my sisters in the party, we cannot cry any longer for Bobby Hutton. We have shed our last tear for that brother. Nobody must weep anymore for Bobby Hutton. Bobby is dead. He is in the ground. And were he alive, or if he could see, you know, I don't believe in no heaven, but if he could understand what's going on for me, more for me. Go about taking care of business and organizing and getting more Panthers. And all of you black people who are out there who are not FBI agents, all of you who are out there who are not FBI agents and who do not join the party, because the FBI agents going to join and we're going to have to purge them. But all of those who are not FBI agents must join the Panther Party. Otherwise, you're sitting out here being entertained. We are not here to entertain you. Our brothers are dying all over this world and in this country. Bobby is just, he's just one, but he was important because he was the first Panther. And it was from him that all other things began to flow. And you must join the Panther Party if you are serious, if you are committed, if you share the sorrow of the other Panthers. And I'd like to say this to the Chairman Bobby Seals, that it is no need for you to weep. You have not, you have been weeping. We know you have been weeping inwardly because you and Huey went and got the brother. Huey's in jail. Eldridge is in jail. Some of the other top leadership of the party is in jail, and the mantle of leadership has almost had to fall singly on the brother. Even though there are many others around, he feels this. And that is not to say that we're not involved. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is, as a cat who has helped to develop the party and work with it day after day, the mantle of leadership is heavy. He has to understand, and what we must understand, that even though the brother has been slain, that if we look at the force of events in this country and around the world, this has to be a day of jubilation after we have cried for Bobby. Because what is happening is, is that this fat hog, white Western civilization is crumbling. It's crumbling in its deficit, in its payments. And one of the reasons why Johnson had to do what he did, resign or say it wasn't going to run, was to get the tax bill through because the country is crumbling on the payment or whatever they call it, deficit of payments or so forth, whatever it is. It's crumbling because it's losing the war in Vietnam. It's crumbling because it is about to lose the war inside the United States, which is the main reason that it will crumble because it cannot rid itself of its racism, and we are not going to accept the world. Play this to the world. This is not just a speech we make today. 
because it is necessary for people to understand clearly what we stand and we understand the chances and the risks that we take. But if there's any cat out there, any cat out there who is worried about his life, then we point to you the example of Dr. King. Nigga, you ain't gonna live always. He died at 39. You dig it? He died at 39. He died at 39. Bobby Hutton died at 17. Do you understand? He died at 17. Now you 35 and 29 and worrying about old age pension. You dig it? You gotta get up off of that, brothers. I'm talking to the brothers especially, man. It ain't no point you worrying about your life. Ain't no point you worrying about your life. Brother Huey didn't worry about his life. Brother Seals didn't worry about his life. The other Panthers didn't worry about their lives because they understood that they were dying every day. All black people are dying every day. And when we have to get rid of this question of the fear of death, that's fundamental. I'm gonna talk to the whites too, cause that is fundamental in what's happening in the white community or not what's happening in the white community. We have nothing to live for, man, but to fight. There is no guarantee in this world except death. That is the only absolute. The only thing that we can predict is that all of us are going to die one way or the other. Either from cancer, pollution in 10 years, or radio, or whatever that stuff is, ultraviolet rays from the TVs, or something. But where we are going to die, man, do you understand that? We will die. The question is, how will we die? Will we die from inactivity? Or will we die as men? Will we die fighting for our people? You understand? That is, a, that is the only question, man, that faces you. And you must get over this hang-up of wanting to live and wanting to drive these death trap cars. And look at these phony televisions. Yeah, and you got to even get up on that, well, I got to have my sex. That's fundamental. Can't tell me where I got to live so I can have sex. See? That's right. Well, let the, let the other folks have sex, because people had sex and brought us in this mess. That's why we're here now, you dig it? See? And you have to fight, baby. Now, I'm going to speak directly to the white folks in this audience. You, the will to live is highest in the white community. And why is it highest in the white community? Because the white community is the richest, fattest section of the world. But it is fat and it is rich off of the backs of black people, not only in the United States, but all over the world. We have a high standard of living, or you have a high standard of living, because of the exploitation of the third world. Rockefeller, the cracker who went down there and called himself up and had to be introduced at Kennedy's funeral, kills more black people every day in South Africa and around the world than anybody else. Robert, that's right, Rockefeller, he mourns the death of Dr. King. How about the black brothers in South Africa that he kills? Pretty boy Bobby Kennedy wants to be president so he can further exploit the people in Latin America. That's his bailiwick. He's carved out especially as Latin America. He's especially carved out Latin America. Get hip to it. Now, 
white community is so fat, because the white community is so rich, it is almost axiomatic that no whites are willing to be revolutionaries. That no whites are willing to be revolutionaries. I'm not saying that all. Some people can be revolutionaries on principles. But check this out. Because the white community is so fat, so rich, so full of artichokes and everything else, it is not willing to be revolutionary. It is not willing to say that when they seal off Harlem or when they seal off the south side of Chicago, we must be accounted for us. It is not willing to say if Bob, if Huey Newton dies, I must kill some white cops. It is not willing to take that position because it is fat and it feeds off the racism. And so what we have to do is to, through persuasion, through discussion, try to heighten the alienation of the hippies and some of the college students who may be prepared, you see, to at least pick it, to at least pick it, to at least face the war in Vietnam and go down to the induction center. Very important point. But that revolutionary consciousness has to develop where you are willing to pick up the gun and to die for black liberation and to follow black leadership. Very, very important point. Because when you say all whites prepared to follow black leadership, then a whole host of racist things evoke in their mind, you see. But if you are committed to revolution in the United States, you must follow black revolution leadership because it is the only leadership that's going to rise up and spring up to carry out a revolution in this country. That's a fact. So Bobby Hutton was born a revolutionary. Every black person is born a revolutionary because they're black. And the important thing for us as black brothers and sisters is can we can we keep our revolutionary zeal as we move through life, as Huey Newton has kept his, as Bobby Seale has kept his, as Bobby Hutton kept his? He lived a revolutionary life at the age of 14. He was not a hippie. He understood full well the system. He was taught the system. He was taught about the hog and what the pig did and what the pig was doing in Mozambique and in Angola and in the Congo and throughout the rest of the world. He understood that message very well. And he understood that if he ever got shot down, he would not only be dying for people in this country, but he would be the same as a Vietnamese in the Liberation Army who was shot down fighting for people all around the world. And he died a revolutionary. He died one in Oakland. And he died it because the hog was in the stream. And in order to get the hog out of the stream, we must seize and hold power in all sorts of ways. The Black Student Union at San Francisco is a minor example of an attempt to seize and hold power. But it must go on and on and on and on. And there are all sorts of ways. And we have to run these candidates as Bobby Seale is running the 17th and get these shaman toms out of our community as well as some of these phony crackers. We must seize and hold power for revolutionary development. But we need a mass political party. And that instead of people talking about the Black Panther Party is going to go down because one brother got killed, 
the Black Panther Party must become stronger and stronger because a brother got killed. That's what's got to happen. The Black Panther Party cannot forsake, cannot forsake the brothers that are in jail, cannot forsake Brother Newt, cannot forsake Rap Brown, who is being persecuted, who is the Minister of Justice of the Black Panther Party. You understand? Black Panther Party cannot allow the criticisms. Well, if you didn't have a gun, you would not have been shot. Don't put the blame on us, baby. Don't put the blame on us. That's an old trick to try to make us feel guilty, to try to make us say, well, it was all our fault. Well, it was not our fault. If we didn't exist, then we wouldn't be here. The problem was here, baby, and we're dealing with it. Don't try to deal with the fact that, well, okay, well, somebody even said, well, if the brother hadn't been out that night, that wouldn't have happened. Well, damn it, he was alive. And he was a revolutionary, and he understood that he would be killed. As every revolutionary understands that all of us may be killed. It would be very easy for some cracker to shoot me out there, or even some brother paid by the CIA. But we understand that death is inevitable. Death is inevitable anyway. And that when you say you are prepared to lay down your life, you expect to be killed. Martin King understood that. I'm not just appealing to him, but he understood it a long time ago. Long time ago. He didn't just make a prophetic statement that he might be killed four days ago. He clearly understood, as anybody else who has any understanding of not live forever and that we will die and perhaps the highest death. No, we may make it categorically. That the highest form of death is to die as Bobby Hutton died. That is the highest form of death. And a nigga who sit around and die of cancer and don't pick up nothing and do nothing needs to die. The highest form of death is the death that he did. So we must not downgrade that brother, but hold him up. We must have these posters put on every cause in the white community too. Killed by Oakland pigs. Killed by Oakland pigs. We must have those posters all around this town and in this country. And that nobody in the Black Panther Party must feel ashamed or weak, that we do not. But I'm saying this because the criticisms are coming from wide and far. The Black Panther Party shouldn't have done this. The Black Panther Party shouldn't have done that. Well, damn it, we're here. And the Black Panther Party is a revolutionary party and one of the few in the country. And that we will grow stronger. And the people must not forget Bobby Hutton. They say in the newspapers in New York he was 22 years old. Why? Because the bloods get mad when they have a 17-year-old black cat being killed. Not as angry if he's 22. Well, at least he was an adult, you dig it? Not 17. This man was 17. He was not yet fully a man according to the chronological ages. He was 17. Do you understand? 17. Cat 17 in the third grade of high school. The brother had been out of high school because he could. He was a dropout, according to them, some two or three years. But he died, baby. 